Uh, we are in the third week of our series uh, about prayer, which might sound a little dull and boring, but I think we've found it quite engaging so far. And we, we've, this week, I reckon, is probably the easiest um, pattern of prayer. I said we're going to spend some time talking about patterns of prayer, and I reckon this one is the easiest at some ways, in some ways, because we've already looked at prayer as groaning, <laughs> and that wasn't, you know, there's some difficulty really involved in that. So groaning prayer, we said, opens our hearts to comfort and hope and compassion. And then last week, we looked at prayer as invocation, so calling on the name of Jesus and making space for him to defeat, liberate and change what only he can. And I think they're both pretty tough patterns of prayer to, to actually feel that you need to engage with. They often happen at difficult times in our lives. So this one is going to be relatively easy because it has to do with some of the basics of being human. It has to do with things like sight and sound and smell and taste and touch. It has to do with physical, tangible things, things we can touch. So I was thinking, oh, yeah, this will be a good one. This will be an easy one. But then on reflection, I wondered if, in fact, it will be something we find easy to do. <laughs> Someone from the online world is calling. <laughs> Did you hear that? Will it be something that we find easy to do or will it be a bit difficult? And the reason I say that is in the Western world, in our culture, yours and my culture and upbringing for most of us, we are quite reserved physically, aren't we? Certainly, and it's no different in church culture. In fact, it's probably even more so in church culture. We're quite reserved physically. Not all of us, Jackie, but, you know, many of us. <laughs> and uh, we, we are quite private when it comes to our faith. And if we're honest, many of us tend to be sceptical about anything that looks a little like it could be heading towards excessive. Just calm down, sit down. So today we're going to take a look at prayer as something we can experience physically and I want to start by inviting you all with me to step into the space with open hearts and minds. Listen, then go away, talk in your life groups, talk around your tables at home, pray and take from it what you will. But will you keep your minds and hearts open to listen? And I also want to say up front that I'm indebted to Matt Woodley. I've referenced his book just a couple of times in the last couple of weeks. It's called uh, The Folly of Prayer. But he has this awesome chapter that I'm leaning on rather heavily when uh, he spends a fair bit of time looking at the physical pattern of prayer um, and, and the human experience of prayer as something physical. But I want to start with a story. I've got a couple of stories today. This, this is about a woman who spent a lot of her working life, adult working life in China. And then when she returned to her New York State home on Long Island, she was overwhelmed by the beauty of the place where she had you know, been born and grown up in. And she said, one day in late autumn, these words, I looked up through a grove of trees uh, stripped of their leaves and with their branches turned upward towards the sky. And it struck me that the branches were like hands being raised up to God. And it was as if the trees were worshipping and praising God. Now, some of us will resonate deeply with that and we'll have our own experiences of being in nature and having that sense of the, the, the created things around you actually worshipping God. Others will probably tend to think, well, okay, yeah, maybe, but it's a bit sentimental. <laughs> it's a little bit fanciful, you know, a little bit unsophisticated and unnecessary. It suits some, but, you know, it's not really the main thing. 
And I want to say that if you feel a, even a little bit like that, you are in good company because all through the history of the Christian church, there have been a thread, uh, there have been people who've been quite... Uh, dubious to varying extents, I guess, about anything to do with the physical when it comes to faith and expression of faith. Now, at the, at the extreme end of that, I'm not calling any of you a Gnostic, but at the extreme end of that is Gnosticism. And Gnostics believed that spiritual things are the higher order things. They believed that the physical world, well, you've got to tolerate it, we've got to live in it, and you've got to manage it, but it really is just something to be tolerated and managed and put up with while we're on the way to get into the real world, which is the spiritual world. Basically, for a Gnostic, the physical world does not matter. It's an inconvenience to be dealt with along the way to get into your proper self, which is this uh, spiritual, spiritual self. I'm pretty sure most of us here, or online, they're not online anymore, wouldn't go that far. But I do wonder if many of us sit on that continuum just a little bit more towards that extreme, that might actually be helpful. That might actually be a, a good thing. I mean, after all, if I can borrow from C.S. Lewis in his fabulous book called Mere Christianity, the world God made is good. The things in this world are good. Human bodies are good. Human bodies are good. Yes, the world and the things in the world, he goes on, are damaged and flawed, but they are worth fighting for and worth redeeming. And, you know, it kind of makes sense, it clearly makes sense, I think, that, that Christian faith and prayer might find expression in something physical when we think about who God is and, and how he works. When we remember that God created the world and likes the world he created. It made him happy. And when we think about God coming into this world, physically coming into this world. And, in fact, I think those two things, creation... However you see that playing out, but at the end of the day, being the work of God, the creator, creation and the incarnation, God coming into this world, they've got to be two outstanding arguments for us to seriously uh, take, take seriously the idea that prayer and faith is something physical. Don't you think? Creation and the incarnation, they've got to make us think about uh, the value of things that are physical. And going on a bit more to say some more about this, C.S. Lewis also says this beautiful phrase. I wish I'd... I've read this book many times, but this phrase hasn't really stood out to me till this week. He says, there's no good trying to be more spiritual than God. <laughs> I love it. I think I might put it on my wall. Um, God never meant people to be purely spiritual creatures. That's why he uses material things, says Lewis, like bread and wine, to put the new life of Jesus Christ into us. We might think this rather crude and unspiritual. God does not. He invented eating. He likes matter. <laughs> he invented it, says Lewis. There's no good trying to be more spiritual than God. I want to read you a poem from Psalm 96. It goes like this. Let the heavens be glad and the earth rejoice. Let the sea and everything in it shout his praise. Let the fields and their crops burst out with joy. Let the trees of the forest sing for joy before the Lord, for he is coming. Reminds me of that lady from China. He is coming to judge the earth. He will judge the world with justice and the nations with his truth. 
And what I want to say this morning is that when you and I recognize nature worshiping God and we are moved to do the same, then we are experiencing prayer as something physical, aren't we? When we um, perhaps smell cut grass and it reminds us of lazy days in our childhood playing in the backyard, and then when we take time to thank God for rest and play, we are worshipping, we are praying in that physical way. When we hold another person's hand and are moved to thank God for love and comfort, when we hear a newborn baby cry and we are thankful to God for the gift of new life, when we taste good food and feel gratitude for all we have, we are experiencing prayer as something physical, something sacramental. That's the word, really. It just means something physical and tangible, but it does two things. It either imparts divine grace, actually imparts God's grace, or is a symbol of and points to. That's what sacramental prayer is. That, that's what this physical expression of prayer is. Something that we get engaged in that imparts God's grace or, or points us to it as a symbol of his grace. We've called this series, Hello, Is Anybody There? with the tagline, What's the Point of Prayer? And every week, according to the pattern we've looked at, I've tried to answer that question. And today I want to say to the hello, is anyone there? Yes. God is present in the physical and tangible things in this world. And the point of that sort of prayer? Well, meeting God in this physical space, the point of that is so that he will impart to us something of his grace or point us to something of his grace. Okay. So I want to just do a really super speedy, quick, high-level, quick uh, look through the Bible to see how prayer ex experienced as something physical can convey or point to God's grace. And we're going to start with the story of Noah's Ark and the rainbow. Everybody knows that one. Probably it's still true to say many know that one, even if they're not involved in church. Let me read what it says in Genesis 9. Then God said, I'm giving you a sign of my covenant with you and with all living creatures for all generations to come. I've placed my rainbow in the clouds. It is the sign of my covenant with you and with all the earth. When I send clouds, clouds over the earth, the rainbow will appear in the clouds. And I will remember my covenant with you and with all living creatures. Never again will the floodwaters destroy life. When I see the rainbow in the clouds, I will remember the eternal covenant between God and every living creature on earth. And God said to Noah, yes, this rainbow is the sign of the covenant I am confirming with all the creatures on earth. So the rainbow is a sacrament. The rainbow, every time you see a rainbow, it's a physical reminder that God will preserve his creation and keep his promise, keep his covenant of love with humankind. And so whenever we see a rainbow, it is a moment, a sacramental moment in which God is inviting us to step into a space with him and be reminded of his grace. And maybe even in that moment have something of his grace imparted to us. And I think that happens if when you see a ro rainbow, you're driving, you're, you're walking, you're looking out of your window, you take two seconds to say, God, that's beautiful. Thank you. That's sacramental prayer. God made a space and you stepped into it. There are many others after Noah. 
God gave a lot of signs and um, a lot of those sacramental opportunities to uh, Abraham, who, who historically played such an important role in the way that God did work out his covenant with his people. Um, some of them, you know, you think, oh, yeah, we could live without that one. He gave the physical sacrament of circumcision, which was a way of God saying, you are my people. I have something special for you. And a way of the people, when they allow themselves to be circumcised, saying back to him, thank you for this grace, God. We are your people. Matt Woodley made the comment that, you know, a tattoo would have been less invasive, but uh, <laughs> you certainly can't overlook circumcision as far as a, a pointed comment and then uh, to other things less invasive God took Abraham outside at one stage and pointed him up to the stars it says in Genesis 15 and he said to Abraham look up into the sky and count the stars if you can that's how many descendants you will have he told him and so the countless, that's the point, stars in the sky became a physical reminder of what God had graciously promised and what Abraham believed. But it wasn't always God making the sacraments either or making those spaces, you know, rainbows, stars, circumcision. Abraham, let's stick with him for a bit. He planted a tamarisk tree, we're told at one stage uh, in Genesis 21. He planted the tree as an act of worship to God. Now, I'm sure Abraham could have worshipped God without planting a tree. You know, we can, we, we can worship God without having to do something like that. So, so why did he do it? It doesn't say, but I imagine he wanted a physical reminder of God's goodness. Maybe every time he looked at that tree, he stopped and remembered worshipping God in the first place by the planting of that, you know, with the planting of that tree, and it reminded him to worship God again. It's why we, we plant roses in our garden or spread ashes or, you know, do other things when we want to particularly remember something in someone. Every time you see, you remember, and you go back into that space again. Other places we see this pattern of prayer as something physical in the Old Testament include the Passover. I love that one. All the senses involved. You know, the, the people tasted and smelt and touched the food. They told the story. They remembered seeing the blood daubed on their doorposts. And they remembered the feeling, even if it was passed down to them through the generations, but that feeling of being liberated from slavery. That was a fully, all the human senses involved in celebrating uh, Passover. And then there's the worship that happened in the tabernacle. If you read through Exodus, there's all these descriptions of exquisite purple curtains and intricately decorated garments for the priests and fragrant incense and aromatic spices and instruments and voices. All very tangible, physical things. And we haven't even got to the Psalms yet. Oh my goodness, I made a list out of the Psalms. This is exciting. It's full of invitation to pray and worship with our whole being. Here's some of the things we're encouraged to do in the Psalms. To shout, <laughs> one for Jackie. <laughs> to kneel, to clap, to dance, one for Pat. <laughs> to bow down and lie down. To do something, basically, as we talk with God. Do something. Do something with your bodies. Anybody feeling uncomfortable? <laughs> you want to dance? Good on you. Do something. Gosh. Yeah, I'm so straight row and contained. I'm, I am too, I'm not pointing the finger. But can you see the heritage that we come from? 
um, is something that's quite different. And then if we go into the New Testament, just one thing before we get to Jesus, I want to highlight it, or maybe two out of there. Uh, 1 Timothy is one of the places you can see this, but so commonly when, when leaders were praying for people, they placed their hands on them. Now, I know you've got to do that appropriately, COVID, also appropriately where there's vulnerability. You think carefully about where, you know, if, who you place hands on. Um, but but if, if you can't physically safely place your hands on someone, then like we did this morning, reaching your hand, hands out as a symbol. They hardly ever prayed for each other without touching each other in appropriate ways. And then that last meal that Jesus had with his disciples, oh my goodness, it was tangible bread and wine. And Jesus is trying to give them something to remember him. They still don't get quite what's going to happen. But he's giving them the, okay, stuff's going to happen. Remember me by praying this extraordinary prayer? No. (laughs) Remember me by this three-point statement of theological truth I'm going to give you? No. Remember me by drinking wine and eating bread? Wow. I've known that all my life. (laughs) And it struck me again this week. All the things, all the ways Jesus could have said, remember me. He said, remember me by taking a drink of this wine and eating a piece of this bread. But that ought not to be a surprise to us, hey? When we stop to think that God himself, as I've said just earlier, was born as a human being. God himself contained in a physical body. And I want to remind us that um, that wasn't just for a moment. That wasn't just to prove a point or do a thing and then he got rid of the you know the the load of that body that that wasn't what it was for God himself chose to be contained in a physical body not just for a moment but for a lifetime on this earth and beyond when Jesus rose from the dead more than 500 people we have that in the bible but we have it in other history books too 500 people saw Jesus alive and they touched him and they ate with him think on that a moment Jesus had risen from the dead if i was making the movie there'd be pillars of smoke and clouds doing amazing things and big music coming down from the heavens Jesus ate fish and let Thomas put his hand into the scar at his side. And then when Jesus returned to be with God, he went in an actual body. Didn't even do the pillar of smoke and the booming music in the clouds then. Well, a different sort of body, of course. But when he comes to be with us again, it will be in an actual body. Jesus will be in an actual body. A body that won't perish, but nonetheless a body. Jesus' birth and death and resurrection certainly accomplished something spiritual. Because it defeated evil. Don't have any doubts about that but it no less accomplished something physical because it defeated death. Can you see that? It defeated death. The two go hand in hand. And I want to say there's no liberty for us human beings if the freedom is only from what binds us spiritually. 
Because we are physical beings created by God who looked on us and said, now that is good. That's good. I like what I've done there. Um, I can't remember who said this. I think it was a Jewish writer, actually. But this comment, we are, after all, physical beings with a spiritual dimension. But so often, do you see the way we get it the other way around, especially maybe in churches? We're spiritual beings with this physical dimension we've got to deal with. You and I are physical beings with a spiritual dimension. So sometimes, not surprisingly, prayer Communing with God is going to be expressed physically. It's in things we can taste and see and touch and feel and smell. It's in the way we move our bodies. It's in the trees we plant and the other memorials that we build. And the point of that prayer? Well, as I said before, it reminds us that God made the world and loves what he has made. It reminds us that God made us in these physical bodies and he likes us this way he doesn't like the brokenness that we experience in those places but he but he made us in these physical bodies and he likes it that way it reminds us that what we know and experience of God and his grace and love and justice needs to find expression in two worlds in the spiritual yes but also in the physical so if we pin all our hopes for what is just and right on that one day spiritual time and do nothing about it in the physical we're, we're only telling part of the story everything that God has won for us matters in our spiritual being and in our physical being as well in our physical worlds I read a story um, in a little book that I'm using to you know do some daily reading of the Bible there's a story about a guy called Clarence Jordan. He lived uh, from 1912 to 1969 in the deep south of America. So hugely conservative and still issues there, many issues there, but at a time when racism was, was, was rampant. So he was living in that part of the world. And he even studied theology at the Southern Baptist Seminary. And I'm probably good I'm not online, although it is being recorded, isn't it? But you don't get more conservative or fundamental then than, than that, and possibly not even now um, than that. The good stuff comes out of there, but it's a very fundamental movement there. So he studied there, but he was troubled by the way that white Christians he went to church with and the white Christians that he, that he studied with seemed really comfortable with spiritually, he said, embracing Jesus and then racism. They were comfortable with those two things. But I follow Jesus and they were comfortable to continue to live in such a way that racism uh, continued to be a thing in people's worlds. Uh, I want to tell you this because I think it's funny and then I'll get to the main quote of something he wrote that I want to show you. After he'd finished study in 1942, he went to Georgia, so deep in this, this uh, race hatred territory, and he started with some other people, a farm called... Uh, Koinonia farm and it was it was the idea of it was it was to be interracial so that was real cutting edge okay what it's ridiculous so interracial and the day the story goes that the day that he arrived there at this place where they were going to build the farm um, the, some members of the Ku Klux Klan came up to him and said we don't let the sun set on people like you around here threatening him and he apparently replied I'm pleased to meet y'all. I've been waiting all my life to meet someone who could make the sun stand still. They weren't moving him. 
not before sunset that day or the next. But what I really wanted to tell you was these words he wrote a little later. He said, Jesus has been so zealously worshipped, his deity so vehemently affirmed, his halo so brightly illumined, and his cross so beautifully polished, that in the minds of the many, he no longer exists as a man. That made me stop. By thus glorifying him, we more effectively rid ourselves of him than did those who tried to do so by crudely crucifying him. It bears some thinking about, doesn't it? So how do we do it? How do we pray more physically, more sacramentally? How do we... Uh, give justice or pay justice to the fact that we are physical beings with a spiritual dimension. Well, I've got really quickly half a dozen simple practices that I think any of us can do. Go through them super quick. You see these in the Bible, you see these in human experience. The first one is pray with others. So if all of your praying is private or dashed off to God, you know, in the in the last minute or in a crisis, I'm suggesting to 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 experience this physical aspect of faith and prayer, pray with others. Pray where someone can see your face and you can see theirs. Get in the habit of doing that. Pray out loud with others. Find appropriate ways of touching others when we pray. I say that carefully. COVID makes it all different, uh, of course, and then you've got to be very aware of vulnerabilities and what's appropriate or not. So hold out you know, hands, do something symbolic if that's the best way of doing that. So pray with others, find appropriate ways of having some physical contact with people as you pray. Here's a big one. I reckon if you did nothing else but this this week, it'll be a great start. Go outside when you pray. The world looks different in an outside place. Hopefully if you can find a place that's a little bit uh, nature and less concrete when you're outside. Go outside, maybe take a read a short passage from the Bible and then take a walk outside and talk to God about what you notice there. Maybe you could set up a place outdoors where you know all of your senses are going to be engaged. So under a favourite tree that you like the look of, uh, somewhere where there's a scent of a, a wattle or cut grass nearby. Maybe take a cuppa with you or another drink and watch the sunrise or the sunset, <laughs> declaring along with the created, created world around you that God is good. Okay, so go outside. Pray with others. Find appropriate ways of being in, uh, connecting with people. Go outside when you pray. Plant your own tamarisk trees. Plant your own tamarisk tree. It doesn't have to be a tamarisk tree. It's an analogy, right? <laughs> I don't know what the heck one of those is, but anyway. And how about this one? Move when you pray. So pray with your eyes open. One of my earliest memories. My dad's always prayed with his eyes open. He's, he, yeah, as he said, I, the people that I love and talk to, I look at and talk to when I'm, when I'm talking with them. Why would I go all like this with God? I mean, you, you've got to do what's comfortable for you, but you can pray with your eyes open and your head up. Why don't you pray as you bake a loaf of bread? I loved early on in our online um, series... Eloise said, oh, I'm in the kitchen baking some bread or muffins while she was watching the worship service. And I loved that. I don't think she was making anything spiritual out of it as such, but I thought, that's awesome. 
If you can engage with a service while you're doing something like that, I, I love that, the physical aspect of that. So bake some bread, weed a garden bed, that really works for me. Uh, cut flowers, build a bench, draw, paint, play the flute, sing, kneel, lie down, dance, raise your hands, clap. Move as you pray. Move. So we've got pray with others. Find appropriate ways of being connected when you pray. Go outside when you pray. Plant your own tamarisk trees. So do something that is a memorial of sorts for you. Move as you pray. Don't feel bad about not sitting down to have an hour sitting on your couch praying. Go for a half hour walk and talk to God as you're doing that. Move as you pray. And the last one, which we're going to do together now, is celebrate communion together. Come to the table at which we declare in eating and drinking that God has shown himself physically to us. And that through Jesus and in the power of the Holy Spirit is transforming his people and this world spiritually and physically. You see, ours is not a faith that makes sense only in the spiritual realms. Please don't ever diminish our faith to that. It's not just a spiritual thing our faith and our relationship with Jesus. And ours is not a faith that dismisses the present physical realities, whether they be good or bad. You don't have to rise above what's going on for you physically as, as in, a, in a dismissive way. And ours is not a faith that hopes one day to leave the physical behind. We must remember that. We want to leave what's imperfect behind, but it's not a faith that, that says we will leave the physical behind. Ours is a faith that looks forward to new heavens and new earth and new bodies fit for life with God himself. Wow. Plenty to think about there. Like I say, think on it, talk about it. Pray, see where you land. There might be some things you can embrace, things that you're uncomfortable with. Love to talk more about it. Well, I have a sense we might be more likely as individuals and as a community to stand to our full height if we can just engage with this aspect of uh, the way that God has made us physical beings with a spiritual dimension. He likes what, how he has made us. He likes this world. And it stands to reason that he's going to try and communicate with us in this world through the beautiful things he has made and likes. Look out for it.